Hey everyone, welcome back to the Watson Blocks Podcast. This show is brought to you by Giga Energy, a leading electrical manufacturer focused on Bitcoin mining. And before we get too far into the intro today, I wanted to ask you guys for a huge favor. If you've not subscribed to the show or given the show a rating and a review, if you could take a second and go do that now, that would be hugely helpful. And also, make sure to go check out the brand new YouTube channel that we just launched. You can now watch all of these conversations as well as see some of the new content that we're going to be releasing soon. This week on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Sean Lowry, the CSO and principal at Lumera. This was an especially fun conversation for me because Sean and I are really passionate about all of the same topics, and we're both looking for ways to help usher in Bitcoin mining to the utility companies. Right out of the gate, we get into how Sean's experience was working with nuclear power plants when explaining that Bitcoin mining was actually a huge opportunity that they really needed to be paying attention to. And we get into all sorts of discussion about how that message was received and how different utilities are evaluating this opportunity. Sean then rounds up the conversation by walking us through what his new company, Lumera, is doing to help reshape the training industry for utility companies and why that's so important. Sean and I had a bunch of fun during this episode and a wide-ranging conversation, and I would expect a round two to be coming out in the very near future. And so with that, I hope that you guys enjoy today's discussion with Sean Lowry. This show is brought to you by Foreman, the official miner management software of the Watson Blocks podcast. Foreman is the leader in Bitcoin miner management software. Guys, this software suite is absolutely incredible. Not only can you automate your curtailment program, and cost avoidance, which yes, those are two different strategies, but you can also manage all of your inventory from one clean dashboard. Whether you're trying to avoid peaks or executing a block strategy or needing to manage three to infinity miners, Foreman can handle all of this for you. They are the software stack that will scale up with your operation as you continue to add more megawatts and complexity to your power strategy. Seriously, guys, the best way to get a full understanding of the capabilities of Foreman is to head over to their website right now, sign up today, because it's free up to 25 miners. Seriously, you didn't hear that wrong. It's absolutely free up to 25 miners. Go get signed up today and get started managing your miner fleet like the pros today at foreman.mn. That's F-O-R-E-M-A-N dot M-N. Foreman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I am sitting down today with Sean Lowry, the principal and chief strategy officer at Lumera. Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, uh, the pleasure is all mine. I, I promise you that. And and we're we're going to get into why I personally am so excited about this um, with your background and what you've been working on uh, with your, your background in Scott Madden. And I'm not going to jump ahead. I'm going to let you you speak to your your background. But I am ecstatic to, to talk to you today. Well, I'm excited to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart uh, with the energy industry and uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin mining. I can't. I can't wait to have the conversation with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I, I think we're we're probably both going to have a ton of fun in this discussion. So, 
Sean, where I where I really like to start, and I, I like to start with your background because I think it helps paint a picture for the audience of what your experience is and what expertise you bring to the conversation. So could you walk us through, you don't have to give us like a resume read or anything to start you like that, but please walk us through your background. And then I especially like hearing how did that get you to Bitcoin mining? Because that's, it's very niche. So yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to start there. Sure. So uh, my first of all, I'm Canadian. So if you hear the oots and a boots, that, that's where it's from. <laughs> I'm um, Minnesotan, Sean. I'm, I'm as close to Canadian as you can get. <laughs> that's true. You're probably further north than I was being from <laughs> Ontario, uh, Southern Ontario. So my, my background is I've been um, consulting in the energy, utilities, uh, electric and gas sectors for about 20, almost 20 years. Um, I previously worked at General Electric as well. And so a lot of my background has been in the consulting industry, have, has been working with uh, generation power, power plants, uh, a lot of nuclear power plants, both in the United States, Canada, and globally, Japan, United Kingdom, UAE, um, and France on a number of projects with the utilities themselves or vendors helping them to improve their operations, make them allow them to run more safely, better performance, better reliability, and uh, obviously more cost efficient. And so that's where a lot of my background um, has been. And I've been doing uh, was doing a lot of improvement with those plants uh, over that time. Sure. I I think actually it's kind of a fun place for us to to maybe go into a little bit um, is you mentioned like improving operations at a nuclear facility before Bitcoin mining hit the scene for you. What did improving operations look like? Like, I, I think it'd be kind of interesting to hear what what was some of the ways that you were suggesting to improve operations or maybe go into that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So if a particular power plant was say operating, a nuclear power plant was operating, say it, um, you know, only 87% of the time they were operating and generating electricity and they were losing opportunity to sell power and, uh, and, and make that power while the plant was down and constantly was running in reliability challenges, I might go in on a project and help them identify, is it their work management, how they schedule work and then execute work? Is it their maintenance mm. teams that need improvement and productivity? Is it the um, operations that they don't have the right procedures or their procedures aren't clear enough? Um, so a lot of those, um, or if the you know there were certain cultural aspects within the plant that might need to be turned around, hey, we need to be able to more accurately report on when things are broken and how do we get them fixed quicker. Those types of uh, projects were the things that really um, I had been working on, as well as how to reduce costs. Say we, were, we weren't bundling in the purchase of our materials appropriately between other plants. Can we get a consortium to kind of buy pumps or valves together and get a better price? Okay. Or are we doing extra work that maybe we shouldn't, where we might be able to implement, say, a tool uh, more appropriately, like electronic work packages, or we're able to do inspections more efficiently. Those types of projects is what I was helping with. Okay. 
Got it. Yeah. All right. So it was really on the like, like you just said, cost savings, um, operational efficiencies to to really again, it's that's that's really driving towards more cost savings. Um, so I guess what I'm hearing is there really wasn't a whole lot of like demand like for the electricity type of work or activities that you were working on or was that a component to it were you also helping or were other parts of because i think it was scott madden was who you were doing a lot of this consulting with were there other you know other people in the the group that were focused on like helping them increase their profitability on the other end uh, no, I was also helping on some of the strategic planning decisions that you're talking about. Hey, maybe we can look at um, uh, maybe even purchasing another utility and integrating that operation and get together. And then we can operate those two plants together. And, you know, we only need uh, this level of purchasing or these type of positions together. I was doing that as well. So a lot of those strategic decisions for how the plants run, I helped with in terms of strategic planning and business planning. Okay. Yeah. But other uh, areas of my, for our firm were focused on how do transmission operations improve or how does the renewable strategy or how do we get regulatory support and, and other people were focused on those different areas of the business. I gotcha. Okay. So I, I'm going to bring you back to your your background and and just when when was it that Bitcoin Bitcoin mining hit the scene for you? So you're you're like you know we just walked through you're you're working on like cost savings, operational efficiencies, uh, you know maybe synergies with other other utility companies. Mm-hmm. When when does Bitcoin hit that scene for you? Well, if you'll allow me a little bit of runway, yeah, with this, please. Uh, I'll share with you where, so one of my colleagues um, who is definitely a lot younger than I was in, in generate different generation, he started to talk to me roughly 2012, 2013. I don't remember what he started to talk to me and educate me about what was Bitcoin and that he was trading, purchasing it and trading it in the marketplace and making some money. And I was genuinely interested. He was a very charismatic guy. I was genuinely interested in how he was doing this. So that's when I first got learned about Bitcoin was 2012, 2014. And then when power prices, you know, I kept doing my day-to-day job and helping my clients all throughout the time and got got busy with life and other things as others do. And then a lot of the the projects that I was working towards were focused on some cost uh, improvements for our clients. and, you know, that came around the time when power prices were really starting to slide, at least domestically. They were really going down, which was putting cost challenges, operational challenges yeah. on the power plants to how they become profitable when natural gas prices were so low. And we were working on a number of cost improvement projects for our clients. And it, around 2018, I guess, one of the clients said to me, Sean, I'll be really happy when we stop having to worry about just what initiatives we're going to do to help reduce cost and how are we, yeah. when are we going to talk about um, uh, initiatives that start to improve revenue and my light bulb went off. Yeah. You can only trim the fat so much, right? I mean, you, you can only trim it down so tight. Correct. And so, you know, I thought, well, I really took that to heart and, um, you know, I went back and reflected on it. And then another one of my colleagues who I was very close with, was also mining 
uh, Bitcoin in his okay. basement. And sure. we started to talk about what was the what was kind of the income statement of the balance sheet of that of his small operation of his in his basement start to look like. And we started to talk about how would we improve it. And, you know, that's where the, the light bulb, hey, the largest cost, the lar- largest fixed cost of a nuclear power plant is labor. The largest fixed cost in Bitcoin mining or cryptocurrency is power. Mm-hmm. And what a perfect harmony if we can say, well, what if the, if all these nuclear power plants are starting to be challenged uh, with profitability? What if we just started mining Bitcoin with all the safe, reliable, carbon-free electricity of a nuclear power plant, and we just mine Bitcoin with it and put all that power? If the grid doesn't want that power, I know that this w- would be an opportunity to um, to develop a cryptocurrency or Bitcoin and that's where the, the wow. kind of my experience came from. And then I wrote, was able to write a couple papers with my friend, Brian Sheves, um, on just this very topic, nuclear and Bitcoin mining and what a perfect harmony they could be. Yeah, I want to come back to the paper. We, we will talk about it and touch on it and go into that. Um, so I have, to, I have to bring you back. You, you just said something that I, I want you to maybe go a little deeper on, which was the grid doesn't want that electricity from nuclear power plants. So is that just a function of like these these plants generate more electricity than the grids tend to need? Is that is that why there was that mismatch? Like what you were saying, it was kind of a light bulb moment for you is like, or was it more a function of like you could charge a Bitcoin miner five six cents and that's way more profitable than what they were selling for wholesale maybe just like what what was that light bulb moment a little bit more and the, let me re, maybe a character you know the the grid the, there were power there were times of the day especially in california and in germany in 2017 2018 where the power prices went negative and that's ah. where any producer of electricity was producing electricity they were having to give power to the people just to take the electricity. And that's what I mean when, sure. I, when I say specifically that maybe the grid doesn't want it. In times of the day when, say, solar penetration was extremely high, power prices started to decline in between those hours of 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. every day. And that's what I'm specifically referencing. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that No, that makes a ton of sense. And I mean, that problem, well, depends how you want to characterize it, problem or or that unique challenge from yeah opportunity unique challenge i mean that's only getting worse right i mean as more renewable comes online and and really starts to peak out in the middle of the day when it's maybe not getting used as much is that is that right like uh, nowadays it's more exacerbated uh it has definitely the trend has definitely since 2012 obviously the what you'll hear in some circles is the duck curve and you'll see the duck curve is starting to get more expansive down. But I think with technology advances on the grid and with technology such as uh, batteries and storage, that that problem may or may not be getting worse. I'm not I'm not sure, but certainly there's opportunity. There's better opportunities now today to not have the same situation that we were having in 2012, 2014 type of time sure. frame. Um, yeah. Okay. But there's always so, a demand for safe and reliable, re- resilient, reliable electricity. 
Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, and then you you bring a customer like Bitcoin mining to that nuclear facility where this this is where you're going to help educate me because you know this a lot more than I do. But my my base level understanding is that a nuclear power plant is at its happiest when it's running steady state. There's no fluctuate. There's no ramp up, ramp down at the nuclear plant, right? I mean, that's it likes to run steady state. So if you can have a customer that can do the ramp up, ramp down, that that's a, a really nice marriage between generation and customer, right? Yeah, you're right there, Ben. The nuclear power plants are designed to run, you know, get them running and they run at 100% full capacity and they are designed to run at a full capacity reliably for 18 months or 24 months, whatever that refueling cycle is, um, that time period that they're designed to run at 100% and that they only have to come down slightly, but they are, they're not something where you can turn them off and turn them down similar to a gas plant, a gas fired generation plant can really ramp down and ramp up quite quickly. And that's what kind of is the, the, the ebbs and flows of the demand of the grid for electricity. Gas plants can do that when you have more renewable penetration, they're able to easier do that than a nuclear power plant. They can ramp down, but it's a little more difficult. They're just not designed to do that. Sure. Sure. So one of the things that I'm curious about, and I, I'll, I'll share why I'm so curious about it. I, you, you and I, when we when we chatted offline, I shared it. You know, I spent quite some time at, at 3M and had, you know, worked internally. There was an incubator group looking at uh, pulling in different technologies from the company. And then how do we bring that to new markets? One of the things that I, I pushed and pushed and pushed was bringing these technologies to Bitcoin mining and, you know, 3M's manufacture. So you, you, I'll let your imagination go, go where it wants to, as far as what we could manufacture for that space. But I kept running into roadblocks. Um, I think I was actually at one point I was told you can't say Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining, but you you were able, and I'd love for you to maybe touch on at Scott Madden, like how was the reception at first? And then you wrote that paper for them and, and I got to read, it was two papers. Um, maybe walk me through like, what was the cycle internally? Did they immediately hear your thoughts on Bitcoin mining and say, Sean, you nailed it. This You crushed it. That's a great idea. Or was there some hesitancy at first? Maybe just kind of share, like, how was it when you brought it to the table at first? Sure. So when 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 we started to think, and it was my colleague Brian and I uh, started to think about what a, what we could kind of write about for the industry that might be able to help our clients. When you look at Bitcoin mining, how do you get Bitcoin mining? You work upstream. It requires, and this is how we had to explain it, is... Bitcoin, you have Bitcoin mining and what's required to produce Bitcoin mining, it's computing. In computing, what's required to do computing, you need power. And you yep. need a lot of power reliably to be able to operate and produce Bitcoin mining. And so the discussion was um, some people hadn't been as aware about it. And I think there's an education component about what exactly it, it is. But when you boil down Bitcoin mining, it's really computing power. And that is that uses a lot of power, um, and, and there's you know 
at, at the time of the paper, you know, the first one that we wrote in 2019, I think mm-hmm. the forecast at that time was 45 terawatt hours, which would be the equivalent to the amount of power Greece uses over an entire year. And then by the time we wrote the second one, I think it was forecast to be 77 terawatt hours, which is like Chile, uh, you know, the amount oh. of, uh, that that, uh, that possibly would be used by the Bitcoin mining industry. And so that was the forecast that that 2021 timeframe. So we kind of wrote it as a thought exercise for our clients as something to just at least explore in the situation that we were in in 2019, 2019 all the way through 2020 with power prices and, and challenges there is an opportunity to at least explore. And so at, at that time, the, the, um, we're very, you know, they were supportive of uh, producing that and, uh, and at least getting it out there as an opportunity to explore. And so I'm very fortunate to okay. be able to have wow. that out there. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm envious of that, <laughs> of, of that. Um, Cause it sounds like to me, you were, were, encouraged to write those papers really from the perspective of it's and again correct me if i'm i'm not hearing this you know the right way but this is an opportunity because this compute is it's it's here it's here in a substantial way it's going to keep increasing when you look at the dynamics of the bitcoin and blockchain technology so this is a great opportunity to capture a customer or a new market of high electric use. Is that right? I mean, is that kind of how you were proposing it? We were writing it. We were, we were writing those two papers as if we were sitting down with the chief financial officer and the chief nuclear officer of a utility and sitting down with them together. And Brian and I would sit them and say, what would we want to explain to them? And in the first paper, it was really more about kind of educating them about an opportunity and how Bitcoin mining works. The second paper we started to write was a reflection on that and say, this opportunity is only getting larger. Mm-hmm. And this is how you, you can make it a little more, op- this is how operationally it would start to work. So it was kind of a two piece, hey, let's educate them just basic fundamentals. The next one that there is an opportunity. Yeah. The next one is how do we open it up to say, how can that opportunity, sure. that opportunity is getting larger and we really can explore it. And um, it's worth it to explore. Yeah. Were you aware that kind of at the time your paper came out that there were people saying that Bitcoin mining was going to consume the whole global electricity like market? Did you uh, see that? Did you see that narrative when you wrote it? Uh, I don't I don't recall if it, I knew that there was a lot of discussion that there yeah, was there a, were there were some really nasty discussion about how much, yeah. how much power it, it would use, but I don't remember hearing that specifically, Ben. Yeah, it was back in 2020. I don't remember I don't remember who wrote it. There there is an article out there from 2020 that said Bitcoin mining will use the entire world's electricity. Or no, maybe it, I don't remember when it was written. So someone from the audience will have to correct me or or send it to me, but there was an article written and it said that it would consume all of the electricity of the world by the year 2020. So it's wow. what I what I love is that you were like, no, no, this is like an opportunity. It's going to keep using a lot of electricity. And this is like a huge opportunity. Like you said, speaking to the chief financial officer of a company or the utility and say like, this is who you want. <laughs> it, and the other th- aspect too, of the second paper 
you know, certainly uh, ESG was uh, in the discussion mm. in 2019 when we wrote it. But in 2021, when we wrote the second paper, ESG was definitely at the forefront of a lot of people's thoughts. Oh, yeah. And what a be- better characteristic that nuclear has, which is not only safe, reliable, but it's also carbon free. And then so there was this, this discussion, at least in the Bitcoin community, that are we going to go one of two ways? And I'm not going to argue which way was better or not. Do we want to reward a green Bitcoin or is a Bitcoin a Bitcoin? But the re- reality is that they, they, that, that regardless of which way you go, nuclear is a great option for the Bitcoin blockchain community to be able to tell the story of we are producing and helping this bit business decarbonize, conserve, be conservationists to help enable that industry. And what a great story to be able to be part of and tell. And so the, the characteristics in the 2021, that was also kind of a prominent aspect of that paper. Oh my gosh. It's, it still is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a very, very, very big focus. I mean, you look at all the, and you just, you look at the focus, right? That's carbon free by 2050, um, that's coming up pretty quick. You know, there are a lot of states that have set their own mandates. Um, so yeah, the ESG component is is very front and center right now. Um, Sean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how was all of that received when you were bringing this idea to some of these companies? What, what was the feedback? Uh, sh- sure. So some of the feedback was, uh, Sean, I really don't understand this industry. Uh, I can understand, I can, I believe you because we have credibility together that this yeah. is an opportunity. And, and sometimes they thought, maybe, maybe you're just, maybe you're crazy. Maybe you haven't got enough sleep tonight. <laughs> Other ones. Sean, do you need a coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do you need a co- Do you need a coffee or do you need, need a Tim Hortons? Um, so, uh, but uh, some of them thought it, it was crazy. Others were genuinely really interested, man. This is a great opportunity. I, I, I'm intrigued to at least explore conversation with you and bring others into that conversation to explore it. Um, but there was, you know, there was a mixed mixed bag of kind of reception all the way up the food chain and across the organization too, right? Because not only are you dealing with maybe just the operations people, which are the people that I generally yeah. worked with day to day, I wasn't necessarily working in the, the financial organizations day to day. Uh, or the, the finance areas of those utilities, but you know, certainly talking to those individuals and they were genuinely interested about how do we Im- improve operations, keep costs down and grow revenue. This is, I'm willing that hey, there was never a time where we just were turned away that we didn't yeah. explore it. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the reason I ask, I, I just, I mean, even now it's, it's still, like you said, it's a mixed bag. I mean, it's it's kind of you know all up and down the spectrum of of how people receive that. Um, you know, because I have discussions with with folks on the podcast, and there are utilities that I talk to off the podcast, and um, it's still pretty radical uh, as far as like the the notion of it. You know, where you said it's like people are like, you know, maybe maybe you didn't get enough sleep the night before. What are you talking about? Um, do you know, to your knowledge, have any of the companies that you talked to about this, have they implemented or started there's to def- work out a program? Yeah, there's, there's definitely one company in the industry that there's one project underway 
which is a, a Terra Wolf and Talent Energy Partnership, which started and has been, from everything I have read about and heard about, been overwhelmingly successful of a, that kind of marrying up that perfect marriage of yeah. uh, blockchain, Bitcoin mining, and a uh, and uh, nuclear power. And that has certainly been uh, it was refreshing, re- refreshing at at, a, at at least to hear that that opportunity has taken shape. And I think it is a different conversation depending on the type of utility you're talking to. If it's a, a, a non-regulated utility such as Talon Energy or a Constellation Energy, which operates in a non-regulated market, that's a different conversation. They are, uh, you know, a dollar is a dollar to their business. So if yeah. they're investing in their plant, they want to see that that a regulated utility is a different conversation. And certainly. I talked to both regulated and non-regulated utilities. So, so just to to make sure I heard you right, you you were helping and worked with Talon and Terra Wolf. Uh, I'm not, not yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure, that's fine. Uh, I and I we we don't have to go there at all. Um, so sorry, but uh, I I talked to Terra Wolf quite a bit. Um, I had Carrie Langless on. Boy, it was a while ago, and and if you know Nazar or any of the other folks at Terra Wolf are listening, I'd love to to get it like a round two with Terra Wolf. So I am like a big, big, big fan of Terra Wolf. I love everything they're doing. I love the partnership with with Talon. Um, I wish yeah, that I could get them on the podcast. So. We agree. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited for the partnership that Talon Energy Talon Energy took on with that venture. It's a you know, the utility industry is a, uh, they like to, uh, I like to compare and contrast the cryptocurrency Bitcoin mining community with the utility industry. The, you know, Bitcoin mining is kind of twitchy. They're very entrepreneur. They see that shiny rock and they run as fast as they can to it. The utility industry, the electric utility industry is uh, very, you know, skeptical. They sit back and they look and they kind of, evaluate it and they wonder should i and then see others but certainly that first of a kind project now all of a sudden generates interest to learn more to be educated more about it and that's really encouraging to hear because that is how um the electric industry really works is is uh they've gotten to be as successful as they are because of that decision making and, and and a focus on reliability and now a quick word from our sponsor This show is powered by Giga Energy. Giga Energy is a vertically integrated Bitcoin mining company that manufactures all of the electrical infrastructure needed to start mining Bitcoin. Whether that's medium voltage switchgear, PDUs, or power cables for your miners, the team at Giga Energy has you covered. Reach out to their sales team today for all of your electrical infrastructure needs at sales at gigaenergy.com. Use the word hash rate for the subject of the email and you'll get 5% off your order. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just I'll just put this out into the universe. If anyone from Talon or Alex Brammer, if you're listening, let, let's get you guys on the show. I really want to talk to you guys. So, um, yeah, no, that that's really cool, Sean. You mentioned something I want to I want to you know again. I'm I'm going to bring you back to which was there's a huge difference in unregulated and regulated uh, when having these discussions what what's different about the regulated folks what like what is that 
conversation like what are their what are their concerns who do they have to to kind of run things up the flagpole to maybe kind of go into like why is it so different when you're talking to a regulated group sure um the best way i think to describe the regulated utility is it's kind of a quasi government entity and you, you think about it and they, they really can't proceed with projects without getting approval on how to proceed and how that is in the best interest of their ratepayers, their customers, and how that works in the best r- rate. So they have to appeal to not only the public, but the Public Utility Commission to make sure that it is in the best interest of their of ratepayers and customers. And without so that, it's, yeah. it's, very, it's very challenging for them to proceed with any type of project. It's long, long timelines too, right? I mean, that's some of those types of projects could take well over a year just of like reviews and public comment and right, right. Or or am I a little bit off base on that? Certainly you look at a a project like the Vogel three and four nuclear power plant that was built in Georgia just most recently, that was nearly a decade. And certainly there was a lot of conversation and discussion with the public utility commission and Vogel and how that's going to impact their, their rates and how that's going to, you know, contribute to overall um, benefit of the overall uh, uh, industry, customers and ratepayers. So it just introduces another, uh, an obstacle that certainly is an opportunity to get more engagement on, but that's the big difference I'd say between regulated utilities and unregulated is that there is that public interest that you have to appeal to and then how to get that type of um, uh, engagement in there, which introduces that, you know, just a, a different layer of discussions and engagement. Yeah. And, and maybe for this is, this is kind of like if someone's sitting in the seat of a, a Bitcoin mining company to Georgia, we'll just stick on Georgia. Like if you're, if you're clean spark and you want to get a project going, would it like, it, is it time well spent to go work with the Georgia public service commission in kind of like in lockstep with, you know, maybe the utility or like in this case, if it was the the nuclear plant, would it be time well spent to work with both or, or maybe Absol- I just. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think absolutely any time spent with a public utility commission, their staff and getting that awareness out uh, certainly can be beneficial as well as working with the utility um, and, and who, what, you know, are, especially in the regulated areas of the United States, what wouldn't, who wouldn't want a, a customer that certainly has the characteristics of blockchain and Bitcoin mining companies available in their service territory at a minimum, whether, yeah. you know, with the availability to be flexible with the power demand and a, re- a request for reliable carbon-free electricity. It's a, it's, it is, like I said, in the one thing, it's a perfect marriage. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get you up to Minnesota then, Sean. Maybe you, maybe you can work with me to work with XL Energy. Uh, we'll, we'll get you up to Minnesota because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we have anything like that going on, or at least to my knowledge. So, um, why well, I, I appreciate you kind of riffing on that because I, I, I think, you know, it's there's just so much that would have to go into getting a project like that off the ground, and and then yeah, the difference between you know, regulated, unregulated. Um, so to, like I said, I, I did want to, sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. May I just add one? Yeah, please. And to the, from the public utility commission or the public's point of view, they're used to having, you know, consistent rates. And if there was a venture where, Hey, all of a sudden, you know, the, the rate dollar starts to vary at all volatility, that's uneasy for customers to see changes in budgeting in their electricity bills every month. And so that introduction of that volatility and that twitchiness of the nature can introduce discussions and obstacles, in, certainly in a regulated area. Interesting. Actually, you just spurred another, like, I'm kind of curious about that. What, what would cause, yeah, because, you know, look, I'm in Minnesota. I can tell you for certain that my electric bill with everything kind of roped in is 14 cents per kilowatt hour uh, as a resident. What what would introduce the the fluctuation like that you were just speaking of? Like what what would cause that? New projects certainly, you know, undertaking new projects and new co- new capital introduced into the rate base that now needs to be spread across all different sorts of customers. They'd see an elevation of their rate base. So certainly that public stakeholder engagement is critical on any types of investments into the grid to make sure that there's any spikiness nature of in terms of that that volatility on their bill. So that that's what I was referring to. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure it, it only goes up, Sean. I don't know that I've ever seen I don't think I've ever seen my bill go down. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There have been times, I agree. There are times when it, maybe few and far between, but there have been times. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know that, you know, we're, there There are a lot of initiatives in the pipeline to to try and help bring the, the electric bill down. You know, that's that's kind of the big kick with renewables up here in the Midwest in Minnesota is eliminate the fuel source, you know, from the the energy generation and that you know should work its way through your bill um i think it just takes a long time for that to have that impact based on the cost of the project i'm still learning all of this sean so <laughs> please tell me if i'm thinking about that's it in time, incorrectly for that's a separate pod that's a separate pod <laughs> separate pod all right we'll do round two we'll, we'll go all into that okay um all right I, I like i said i wanted to talk about your papers um do you remember what the price of Bitcoin was when you wrote those papers and yes. how that like economically modeled out at the time? Sure. So when we first wrote the paper, the price of Bitcoin was, I think, $9,200. And what we what we did when we did the analysis was this was profitable for the power plants. When we started talking mm. about the um, the hash rate and the amount of cost and electricity. And we kind of run our own kind of preliminary business case and income statement on what it would look like. And it was certainly profitable. And as the price of Bitcoin continued to increase, it just became more and more profitable. So I think when we wrote it in 2020, end of 2021, the second paper, you know, it was 42,000. And yeah. it, it was yeah. certainly very, very profitable for these um for electric utilities to at least investigate one of three models, right? There's okay. there's three kind yeah. of key business. One is I'm going to go and just sign a PPA. That'd be the first one. The second one would be 
hey, I'm going to go into a joint venture, kind of like what you just what we alluded to earlier with Talent Energy and TerraWolf and get together and bring the best of both worlds into an entity and then both jointly share in the profit or loss of that business. And the third is, I'm going to try and do this myself. I'm going to try and do this on my site with the computing power, with the extra warehouse, nuclear power plants. I think you've been to them, Ben. They're large spaces of of land, but the power yeah. plant itself is very, very small where the electricity is actually generated. So they don't take up much land, but the owner-controlled area of these areas can have an opportunity for have extra administrative buildings or warehouses that can help house this type. So those are kind of the three models that we alluded to as potential um, for these companies. So I know that, you know, it's not, you're not really looking at those three scenarios and saying, all right, this is the best one. You need to go forward and do this. But what were you seeing that one of those models clicked a little bit better or more easily for the utilities that you were ha- like putting this in front of or talking with them? Was it maybe most of the groups gravitated towards just get a PPA put together and go that route? Or were they interested in JV structures? I think, you know, generally um, when we talk about the education and awareness of some of the leaders, it is a very cross-functional group of people that you're going to have to get together. You're going to have to get together tax. You're going to have to get to accounting. You're going to have to get to finance. You're going to have to get to Mm -hmm. operations. You're going to have to get a whole bunch of people together to explore something. So the further you move on that, on that spectrum of all the way down to self-perform or self-mind, there's just a lot of people you're going to have to engage, including the board of directors that you're going to have to get into. So that type of area involves a lot of discussion, a lot of strategic vision. And and so that area takes a lot of effort to explore and undertake. So that area was not as much uh, explored, I'd say, in the discussions. But the other two, certainly um, PPAs, uh, utilities are used to signing PPAs with customers and and with with different entities all the time. So they're very comfortable. They are aware of it um, and and know how it would operate. The second is kind of, hey, this kind of could work. And it's a good way to dip your toe in the water and find a good partner that's going to be locked in with you long-term and the investment and the sustainable, resilient business together. And that's something that would be more explored. But certainly the, the, the third one, you'd have to be kind of like my buddy, Brian, who's self-performing that in the basement of his, of his house to be yeah. able to be aware of all the infrastructure you'd need and, and kind of be aware of the industry. And really, it's possible. It's certainly possible. However, yeah. A, a lot of people you'd have to get on board and aware of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate you kind of framing it that way. It's like three levels of lift for a utility company. It's like the lowest amount of lift. It's maybe set up a unique, you know, rate case to attract the, a miner to, to come in onto your grid. And then it's like a little bit more lift to, to get a joint venture going with a credible partner that you know is going to operate well. And then it's like the heaviest lift is like, Hey, you should do this yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and then, you know, just how do you mark to market these assets? What market do I sell these assets? You know, do I mine them? Do I hold them? Do, do I have to unload all, all that sort of, you know, accounting and, and power mark or marketing 
kind of asset accounting you're going to have to deal with on that third level, um, which is different than just having to be able to do it on your own and sell it on the exchange as you as you may want. Yeah, to. yeah. I, I I'd actually I'd I'd like to hear your thoughts on <clears throat> like are are the power companies looking at some unique ways to start attracting you just in the conversations that you did have and and kind of being in this where the utilities looking at ways to structure PPAs to be more attractive to Bitcoin miners or had they even really started to think about that yet? Uh, I, I can't speak to m- much of that, Ben. I have not been in the Congress. I, that's, that's an area of the, of the utility industry that I just I don't get that much exposure to. And others are probably better to comment on that. If your audience is interested, I just, I know that they're very always, they're always looking for good, good uh, customers in their service territories to attract them. Certainly, um, politicians are as well for the, the jobs aspect um, sure. and be good members of the community. But in terms of how active they're pursuing it, I, I know that they always do investigate it and look at it. But how active they are or aren't, I can't provide you any guidance or insight there. Yeah, that, that that's okay. I just it was something that kind of came to mind as we were kind of talking through like again those those three tiers of like you know levels of engagement that a utility could have um so maybe one last thing on that subject would be i'd love to hear your thought and that this is going to be you know more or less a speculation or your opinion if you will but like how do you see the the utility industry moving forward into the future with Bitcoin mining as this customer base that they can start to tap into? Do you have kind of a vision for what you think the future looks like at a utility company? Is it is it with Bitcoin or or no? Uh, I I think a lot will be told by the success and the story will be written for the next fifty years on a joint venture um, success factor, like what Terra Wolf and Talon Energy have gone down. I mentioned before, the utility industry likes to sit back and kind of observe that shiny rock and look at it from all angles before they mm-hmm. decide to get closer to it. And certainly that success of an opportunity like that is something that they'll continue to look at and um, be uh, make their decisions on. Personally, this is Sean's uh, yeah. opinion here. I think that the demand for uh, from for clean and resilient and clean energy is going to continue to in- increase. Whether that be with Bitcoin mining or other big tech companies like an Amazon and Apple and uh, other to Microsoft, and that they are looking for clean electric, clean, reliable, carbon-free electricity, yeah. and Bitcoin mining companies are no different. They're looking to to have the su- success with that as well, with affordable power uh, as well. And so, I, I believe that this will continue to grow the demand and the way the utilities are going to have to continue to grow and provide that electricity is only going to increase over the next, um, you know, twenty years. I can see, you know, twenty years is going to keep growing. Just look at my paper from in three yeah. years how much that demand and, and I think utilities will continue to get evolved um, with exploring these opportunities. You know, certainly as people like my demographic age, I'm, you know, mid forties, 
become maybe age up into different um, areas and, and leadership positions within the utilities, I think you're going to see more and more people who are familiar with this industry and seeing how uh, the advantages and the opportunities it can present, there'll be more opportunity for those people to to grow and be partners and understand the business a little bit more than maybe some of our counterparts who are currently in the leadership positions today are. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that that load growth is ultimately good for the rest of us so as as civilians load growth and and the health of the utility from a financial standpoint is is a hugely beneficial thing for society right absolutely absolutely and they haven't seen a lot of load growth i think uh i forget who i was talking to but i someone told me that they had been seeing electrical demand declines for like the last decade and then it's just recently we've started to start to see kind of this uptick and a lot of it's driven by AI data centers, Bitcoin mining, but I mean, it's been, it has been declining. Uh, I, I don't recall it being declining, Ben, but I'm, I'm sure in certain service territories, it absolutely had been the way the, the, the measure I always re- recall was in the, um, the EIA, the energy information agency. I always get the eye confused, but the EIA yeah, yeah, yeah. always, always had, had had said that demand for electricity in, in the United States had always been pretty much flat or growing very, very slightly, you know, less than a percentage. To, Maybe that's what it decades, was. Yeah. For decades, it had, had been flat to just barely increasing for decades. And now with the electrification of more things like vehicles on the grid and other, um, other things, certainly electricity demand is starting to grow up and, and that that forecast is going to grow a lot more quicker. And certainly when you talk about the electricity utilities having to get these long runways for projects, we're going to have to be, the utility industry is going to have to be more nimble and yeah. we're going to have to do things more, um, that, you know, to be able to meet our customer demand. We're going to have to do things differently and, and be responsive if we're going to maintain the reliability of the grid. Yeah. Yep. Um. So Sean, we we completely blew by your current company Lumera, and I I don't want to completely overlook that. And and I I kind of figured it was going to go this way because I knew you and I were going to get really excited to talk about a whole bunch of different topics. Um, but you know, please I, walk me through Lumera. What are you guys doing? What are you working on? Who are you working with? Kind of just just go into the the nuts and bolts of your company. Sure. So we what what we are is we are helping. When you look at the big macroeconomic macro trends of um, the changing workforce, and it's not just energy and utilities or energy and oil and gas industries. It's it's our entire economy right now. We're having a massive shift of the change in the workforce from boomers, which was the largest group. They're retiring. They have tons of knowledge to millennials and Zoomers being taking in those positions to execute that work. And the methods of training between those two generations is completely different. The boomers had really learned by training on PowerPoints, on the job training, on PDFs. And the Zoomers and millennials are really not 
that, that's not the best way to learn for them in, in terms of effectiveness. They grew up with phones and, and tablets and videos in their hand. And TikTok. So what we're, yeah, TikTok. So what we're doing, <laughs> what we're doing at Lumera is really taking the YouTube, the YouTube type of mentality to training to rapidly escalate the development of, uh, of our, the workforce of the future, um, their understanding of how to perform work safely. And then obviously their performance, taking their performance and making their performance more proficient, quicker and safer in a, in a rapidly, um, in a rapid fashion. So we're trying to develop that training content to help accelerate people's learning in a different way. Um, and in, in, in industries specifically, we're trying to work on uh, energy and utilities, oil and gas. I love it because you guys, you, you took this unique approach and look at like you just laid out for us, who is the, the up and coming workforce? How do they learn? Oh, guess what? They don't learn on a unbelievably brain melting, boring video that, you know, has no, or a PDF, you know, so it's like you took a look at that and you said, no, no, you know, this generation grew up on YouTube. You know, a lot of them now are growing up with TikTok and just all these sorts of fast, engaging ways of learning. I mean, because they're learning. There, is, there are ways to learn. You know, I know that most people make fun of TikTok, but, you know, that you can learn a lot on TikTok. Um, so I, I love that you guys take this this brand new approach to actually engaging in the training. That's great. And so we develop the content and we kind of take that. We do, we feel, we con create content with real people doing real work to take scenarios that they're going to face in the industry and, and test them and educate them on what decisions they should make and what behaviors they should be model and not the academic questions that you might find in a traditional PowerPoint on a computer-based training where they say, what is the definition of safety? no, what do you use? What tool should you use? Is this environment? What decisions should you make? And all those behaviors is what we, we've done. Because the two other macro trends is what a lot of the industry, we have, have less people who have grown up on farms or around machinery being a, aware of how to identify risk and mitigate risk. And th that's, um, and people are reading less too. You know, people yep. are consuming content through videos and those are kind of the, the big trends that have led us to what we're doing. And we're super excited about this opportunity. Yeah. We think we can really uh, revolutionize training for a number of our clients, a number, uh, number of industries. And it's going to be fantastic to explore and see where we go. Yeah, I think, I think you guys have positioned yourselves perfectly. I think energy tech which is what I would kind of put you guys into that bucket is like energy tech. You guys are bringing the the training content for this next generation entering the workforce. I I think it's awesome. I think you guys are doing great work. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch your guys's progress too cuz this is very new for you guys, right? I mean, this is this is new. Yeah, we are uh we are week 2 into our into our venture and couldn't be more excited about it. It's going to be a a great journey and we're going to have, we've got great partners along alongside for us to, to, uh, to, to help improve operations, reduce costs and make people work safer and better than they ever have before.
is there going to be a Bitcoin mining component to what you guys do? Certainly, we could absolutely. We've got some thoughts on how we can do that. Uh, certainly, I think, and and I think some of our techniques and our approach on how to set up uh, Bitcoin facilities and how to maintain it could certainly be helpful to that. Uh, definitely. Yeah, you, you you had to know I was coming with that question. I, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, uh, Sean, I I just you know to keep a, a tab on the time and just kind of keep a pulse on that. I. I would love to have you, you know, give a, a handoff for the audience and and make sure that, you know, if how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more about Lumera and what you guys are working on? I'd love to to have you be able to guide the audience to to where they can get in touch with you guys. Sure, Ben. Well, thanks. I, I love being part of the conversation and I love being in the mix and I'd lo- love to be helpful in anyone's conversation, anyone in your audience. Um, in the future. So the best way to reach out to us is probably on my LinkedIn profile. So you can search me on LinkedIn, Sean Laurie. Um, just type that in and, and you'll see I've got a, a video resume up there kind of taking our approach and our techniques to learning. I've got a video, res- video resume that talks a little bit about me and my experience. And uh, I'd love to connect with as many people from your, from your audience and be helpful if I can uh, going forward. Awesome. Sean, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I, I really appreciate the time. And I mean, this this is stuff that you and I are both, you know, passionate about, excited about. Um, and then, like I said, I, I love what you guys are doing with Lumera and, and the work that you're doing there. So really appreciate your time. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for your time, Ben. Look forward to being uh, coming back again and, and doing a round two when we can. Yeah, we'll do we'll do round two. Don't worry. <laughs> Great. All right. Take care. Thank you.